Welcome to the 3D world with OpenGL and Vulkan. Hello and welcome to number 7 of my podcast series on OpenGL and Vulkan. And today we're going to talk about shaders in more detail. And um, before we start, I'd just like to tell you once more that I accomplish any podcast episode on my new website opengl2go.net so um, you may just open up the page to follow some small pieces of code going together with this podcast from today. So last time I gave you a general introduction to shaders and today we're going to talk about more details on them and how you need to create them, how you get the, your data to the shaders. So this may take a bit longer, but let's just get started and see how far we can get today. So first of all, um, when you are working with shaders, you're working with the so-called programmable pipeline, and at least you need to provide the so-called vertex shader and the so-called fragment shader. And the vertex shader is responsible for manipulating your 3D data to move it to its final position and just do some calculations on it while the fragment shader or the so-called pixel shader is responsible for just calculating the final color for every single pixel on your screen so um, you can do light equations here very well and a lot of other cool stuff is happening in the fragment shader indeed. So once more what are these shaders? Well shaders first of all always at least um, occur as a pair. So you've got a pair of a vertex and a fragment shader. And these two shaders are paired up in a so-called program object. And this program object indeed is just a container, but we'll talk about this in a few minutes. And um, these two shaders are executed directly on the graphic card in the render pipeline. And um, yeah, you should just keep in mind, first of all, they always they're always coming as a pair. So you can't have just the vertex shader or just the fragment shader. This won't work. So um, let's start with the vertex shader and uh, I will stick first of all with the so-called old version of, um, of the shader programming, um, which means I will work with the so-called attributes, uniforms and varyings, which is the old approach on the desktop version, but still somehow the current approach on the mobile version, on the embedded version of OpenGL. So um, I guess for beginners it's easier to understand what what is going on there in the shader when you know about the attributes, the uniforms and the varying. So I will explain those in this podcast and if you have understood those it will be easy for you to move on to the modern approach of, of shader programming which mostly works the same, it's just different namings there, let's say. So um, what are these attributes that you can use in a shader? Well, the attributes are everything which is connected to one of your vertices. So if you have a triangle with three corner points, each of the corner points, first of all, is an attribute in itself. But attached to this corner point, there may be color values, texture coordinates, normals, or any other additional information. And all these additional information which belong to one corner point, which belong to one vertex, are always called attributes. 
So all the data which goes together with one geometric point are its attributes. And all these attributes can be passed to the vertex shader. And in the vertex shader you have access to all these attributes and can work on them. Then there is another type of variable that you can use in shaders and these are the so-called uniforms. Uniforms are, let's say, some kind of global variables in the shader, which means they are available anywhere, they are read-only, and um, they just have the same value during one render call. So, um, for example, a light source is a good example for a uniform. So your light source may have a position and a color, and these values would be available as uniforms inside the vertex shader just like they would be available in the fragment shader as well, because the uniform is available, first of all, in all of the shaders. And, of course, the uniform does not belong to a corner point or a vertice, because the, the position of your light source in your scene has nothing to do with any of the 3D vertex information that you've got, because it's just a... Because it's just the light source, it's just there, and it does not need to have a connection to any corner points or any geometry. So this is why uniforms are separated from the so-called attributes. Because you may have a scene with trees, grasses, houses, cars, I don't know. All these would be described as vertices, so they would be attribute data. But if there is only one light source in your scene, well, that's not connected to any of those. So it's, it's a uniform. And you just need to define it once, and it's the same for the grass, for the car, for the streets, for the trees, whatever you have in your scene. Then there are the so-called varyings. Varyings are the variables that you can pass from the vertex shader to the fragment shader. So um, these are some kind of magic variables because they get interpolated along the way perspectively correct. That means if you have a triangle and you're looking at this triangle and you just have three corner points for the triangle, each corner point may have a different color value. When you now insert this color value in the vertex shader into a varying, it will get interpolated along the pipeline for every pixel that results from this triangle. And for each pixel, the interpolated value will be put into your fragment shader in the varying that you placed there. So when you have a varying variable, it always needs to have the same name in the vertex shader and in the fragment shader. So OpenGL knows where to put it. So these are the three basic types of, of variables that you should know about when you're working with shaders. It's the attributes, the uniforms, the varyings. What you need to keep in mind, the, the vertex information are attributes and those can only reach your vertex shader. So attributes only go into the vertex shader. Uniforms can always go into any shader because they are some kind of, let's say, global. And the varyings, they do not go into the shaders from outside, but the varying is defined in the vertex shader and in the fragment shader, and the data is written in the vertex shader and is readable in the fragment shader. So these are just the three variable types that you should know about when it comes to the to the shader input and the shader data processing inside the pipeline.
So what would, for example, a simple vertex shader look like? A very simple vertex shader look like a, let's say he's got an, an input position, your 3D data, and this is a so-called attribute. So you have an attribute vector of four named position, for example. And in the main function that every shader has, you just pass on this vertex position down the pipeline and you do it in that way that you just write it to an existing variable which is called gl underscore position. So the position is just going down the pipeline and will be rasterized for you and this rasterization will result into a lot of fragments that are available in your fragment or the so-called pixel shader. So the simple pixel shader or fragment shader then just needs to um, define a gl underscore frac color as it is called. So it needs to define an output color for this certain pixel. That would be the most simple fragment shader you could think about. Just a fragment shader that says for example gl underscore frac color equals vector of 4 1 0 0 1 which means a red color with full alpha value of 1. So this would be the most simple shaders you could think of. Now, additionally, if you want to pass data from your vertex shader to the fragment shader, you would have at least the need for one varying. So if you have color that you want to get interpolated along the way, you need to have a varying inside your vertex shader, which may be called um, interpolated color, and you fill it inside the vertex shader. And inside the fragment shader, you need to have the exactly same variable definition a declaration, sorry, the same variable declaration and you just can take the value there and use it for your color output and you can be sure it's a proper interpolated color along the surface of your triangle. So what more do you need to know about shaders? Well, a very important, uh, very important point uh, in the shaders are the so-called precision qualifiers. So you can tell OpenGL indeed how precise it should calculate some of the values in your shader and you can do this uh, two ways. First of all you could define a precision qualifier globally let's say for one shader so you say all my values here all my floats should be calculated with a medium a low or high precision which just uh, results in uh, precision in the in the calculation of the figures that you have there and um, depending on the values that you want to calculate there, you need to select the proper precision qualifier. So if you have a shader and you just tell him, okay, uh, my precision here is medium precision for every float in the shader, that would be fine, then all the floats in the shader would be calculated with the medium precision. Now there may be one or two floats in your shader that need high precision calculations because they need to be very accurate. So in this case, you could just define those special floats with a different precision, which means precision, high precision for this floats. So you make sure that values that need to be calculated with a high precision really get calculated that way, and all the other values which are fine with, with low precision calculations can be calculated with less um, performance overhead. So you should really uh, make yourself familiar with the so-called precision qualifiers because they may really make a difference when it comes to um, calculations, at least in your fragment shader, I guess. It's more important 
to take care of those. So additionally, there are some so-called built-in variables in the in the shaders, and I just like to stick with the um, with the ones that are available on the desktop and the mobile version as well. There are even a few more, but I just like to mention the most important ones here. So in your vertex shader, there is this GL position variable that I just told you about that you need to fill with the final vertex position of your vertex. Then there is a variable called GL front facing, which is just telling you if the vertex is front or back facing. Then you've got a variable GL point size. This one is quite important when you're drawing GL points because you can manipulate indeed the size of the points and how they are drawn and this is really a value given in pixels. So if you tell them point size is 10, you will get a 10 by 10 pixel square on the screen for your GL point. In the fragment shader there are as well a few built-in variables. Um, of course there is a GL frag color which is the value that you need to set in the very end so your vertex gets a color at all. Then there is as well the GL front-facing bool value, which tells you front-facing or back-facing. And then you've got the GL frac coordinate. Um, this is quite a tricky variable um, as I experienced it, because it's giving you X and Y coordinates, if I remember correctly, in screen pixel values but it's giving you a Z value from 0 to 1 describing the depths of the current fragment that you're working on. So this is quite some interesting information if you're doing some tricky calculations in the fragment shader. And you've got the GL point coordinate. This is also a very interesting one. Um, if you've got a GL point size greater than 1, let's say, then you get proper texture coordinates for this point in the GL point coordinate variable. Which means if you've got drawn a GL point size, let's say 10, which leaves you with a square of 10 by 10 pixels, then GL point coordinates will give you the proper texture coordinates to put a texture onto this pixel. This is a very, very um, interesting tool when it comes to doing particle effects, particle engines. Then you will probably use these point coordinates to put your texture onto the particle that you're currently rendering. So now, how do I get the shaders to work? Let's really go through it step by step. First of all, you need to have your shader source. You need to write your shader code, that's just plain text, and you need to provide it somehow, uh, at least as a, as a SHA array or a string inside your, your application, or maybe just a separate text file that you're loading on runtime. And um, this shader, is first of all just your, your source. Then there is a function that's called glCreateShader and you can use it just to create one of the shader objects you want to work with. So you tell them glCreateShader vertex shader or glCreateShader fragment shader. And um, whatever you pass there as a parameter you will get a proper shader object back and you just need to go on setting your source for the shader. This function is called glShaderSource where you just pass the shader object you just created and your source and a few other parameters but um, just in general you are telling OpenGL here's the source for my shader. After you've done this you just use the function glCompileShader 
to really compile a source that you have just attached to your shader. Um, so you've got the final shader object somehow in binary mode. And of course you do this twice. You do this once for the vertex shader and then again for the fragment shader. So you make sure you have somehow two binary shaders already somehow in, in your application. And now um, you think you're already done, but that's wrong. Now th you can't handle these shaders on their own. You need to somehow put them together into a program object. And this is again just the same pro process. There's a function called glCreateProgram and you just use this function to create a so-called program object. So after you've created this program object by calling this function, you need to attach the two already created shader objects to this program object. So you use glAttachShader, program object, vertex shader, program object, fragment shader. So you do this twice, attaching the vertex shader and the fragment shader to the program object. And after you've done this, there's a very important step, which is glLinkProgram. So here is where it's happening, where it's taking place. Here is where OpenGL is checking if the two shaders that you just created really can work together. Um, at this point it's very important that you go for um, OpenGL errors and check if the linking went wrong uh, or if it's fine because if the linking went wrong or anything else in the compilation of the shaders went wrong of course you end up with no functional shaders and you won't see anything in the end. So after all these steps you should be fine with a program object. And just remember this program object is just your container for the two shaders that you've got. So you've got just one handle to handle both of them. Just see it like this. Now that you have the program object, you are free to use the final very important function at any time in your OpenGL application and that's called glUseProgram, which means by this function call you tell OpenGL, okay, from now on use my shaders, use my program object in the render pipeline to render all the stuff that I give to you. So GL use program is really your activation of your own shaders so you make sure everything that gets rendered is going through your shaders from now on. So now we've got the shader on the one side on the graphic card and we've got our program our application on the CPU running how do we get a connection between those? That's always a very tricky point where many people really um, give up frustrated because they don't understand this. And uh, I admit the first time I read about it I just felt the same. I had no clue what's going on there but I just tried to explain to you right now. You've got your shader and um, you just need to find your, the variables that you have defined on your own in the shaders and to get their location in the shader and to store it. So there are certain functions for functions for this. For example, GL get uniform location, which allows you to pass a name of a variable to this function and to get back its location from the shader. So let's say you tell him pass the name uh, light intensity, and then. OpenGL will check for you the shader 
and will tell you, okay, the variable light intensity is located at location 0 or 1 or 2 or I don't know. And you just store this value, you just store this information that it is the first or second or third variable in the shader. And you just go on for all the other variables like this as well. You do this for all your uniforms and of course you do this for your attributes as well. You need to get the attrib location so you can have all the variables of interest in a list for yourself where you know okay it's location number one, number two, number three and so on. So you just know where in the shader your data needs to go. So once more you just ask the shader for a variable name and the shader will tell you okay this variable name is on location 0, 1, 2, 3 and so on. And you just store these integers, you just store these values because it's all you need to know to send information to the shader. So now that you have got the data, that you have got the position from the shader, let's say you said GL get uniform location model view projection matrix, which is a variable name, then OpenGL will give you the location of this matrix in the shader, let's say it's location number one, and you store this number one in a certain variable. Then you have the information that the matrix variable that you're interested in is at position number one in your shader. So now you know where to send your data to and that's the point. So you go with a different function which is called GLUniformMatrix4FV which tells OpenGL you want to send matrix 4x4 of floats to the shader. And at the moment you send it to the shader you tell him again okay here's the location number one send it there. Here is my array with the data and here is the location. Please send my array to this location. And this is what GL Uniform Matrix 4FV would do for you. There are many other functions like this with starting with GL Uniform but they always fulfill the same idea. You give them the value and you give them the location and OpenGL will send the value to the proper location in the shader. So you actually define to what location in your shader, shader the data should be sent. So once you've done this for the uniforms, of course you need to do it for your attributes as well. So let's once more assume all your attribute data is in a big array, like we discussed, I guess, two episodes ago. And you already have the information that your attribute for the vertex position is in location number one of your shader, let's say. Then you just need to use a function like glVertexAttribPointer to tell OpenGL that it should send all the data from your array to the location number one in your shader, to the attribute location number one in your shader. Of course at this point you also need to tell OpenGL uh, how your array is structured and how it should be um, read by OpenGL, but the basic idea here is you tell OpenGL, here is my data, here is the location in the shader, please send the data there. So once you've done this, once you've told OpenGL, here is all my data and here is where it should go into the shader, you are ready to draw. Because until this point, no data has been sent at all and nothing has happened at all. You just told OpenGL where it's getting its data from, how it should read it, 
And um, OpenGL just prepared everything to be able to draw as soon as you tell OpenGL to. So at the moment, you tell OpenGL now, GL, draw arrays or whatever draw function you are using. At this point, all the data is really sent to the proper locations that you have set and OpenGL will draw it for you. So the basic idea once more, you've got the shader on the graphic card, you've got all the data in your application and you need to know at which locations in the shaders your data needs to go to. And this is what you're doing by telling OpenGL here is my data on the one side, send it to location number one, number two and tell him if it's a uniform or an attribute. Just to make sure you don't get it wrong here, of course you can't send data to varyings into a shader because varyings only exist on the graphic card itself and there's no way to access them from outside. So basically what we have talked about today is how basic shaders should be structured what are the three main variable types in, in shaders and how you get the bridge from your application into the shader, how you get your data there. And um, I know this is a very, very tricky topic and I know it's hard to describe this only by words, so please once more make sure that you check my website opengl2go.net because I will provide some code there which you should really look at while you're listening to this podcast. And um, hopefully for some of you, I could ease the first playing with shaders because I just remember how hard my first experience was with only a few information out there. So um, just give it a try. Take a look at the code. Listen to this podcast maybe a second time. But I hope that I could help you if you're new to shader programming, to get into it and to get a first understanding of what is happening there and why it's working like this. Whenever you've got questions, reach out to me by Twitter. You can find me there. My name is Kai Niklas or reach out to me by the website I just mentioned, opengl2go.net. And um, don't hesitate to ask me if you think I could um, help you with your, with your code. And... Um, once more, be patient with me. Still, I'm no native English speaker. Still, I'm a German guy. And um, still, if you're an expert. And once more, if you think I'm simplifying things, you are right. I do. But I hope to help people who are just starting with OpenGL here. And if you're already an advanced user, maybe at one point or the other point, you have learned something as well. Thank you very much for listening again. Today, I will just end this podcast um, with with a song so you um, maybe just have a bit more entertaining listening to this podcast here as well hope you like the podcast, hope you like the song I hope you subscribe to my podcast stay tuned for the next episode which I will provide hopefully very soon take care till then and thank you very much bye